1994 REM hit, Star 69, referenced the access number for the last call return feature of telephones in North America. The chorus repeats the phrase, I know you called, five times, before revealing the caller hung up, but was discovered using the Star 69 feature. That feature, however, predates the current telephony system that primarily uses VoIP or voice over internet protocol, which allows the spoofing of phone numbers. In short, today it's hard to know who actually called. But by using data passed through the header of the SIP session-initiated protocol, Oracle is able to identify calls with the potential of malicious activity. Douglas Tate joins to explain why this is important and how the technology can impact contact centers. This week on Next in Q, we discuss threats in the voice channel, examples of cybersecurity failures and social engineering, the important role of SIP headers and metadata, the role of AI in emerging threats, protective measures companies can take, and balancing zero trust with customer experience. Let's get to it. Welcome to Next in Q, the podcast for contact center and customer experience professionals. Next in Q is brought to you by Happy Two Vision. Eliminate blind spots and see right through every conversation with Happy Two Vision. Learn more at HAPPITU.com. Now, here's your host, Rob Dwyer. Hey, everyone. Doug Tate is with me today. He is Next in Q. Hi, Doug. How are you? Okay, Rob. How are you doing? I am fantastic. So, Doug, uh, we probably need to establish who you are. Uh, right now, you're the director of uh, telecom global markets at Oracle. And I would say that's a pretty nebulous title. So let's talk a little bit about what you do today. Yeah, it is nebulous, maybe on purpose. So, uh, so- <laughs> Allows me to define what I really want to do in life, but the, uh, I am in the marketing group. My responsibilities are to stab, uh, you know, one foot in engineering and the other foot in sales, and produce the proper sales material for Oracle when it comes to communications. So we I'm focused strictly on communications, communications products, and uh, you usually the salesmen are telling me, "Oh, we need this," and the engineers say, "Well, we need to publish this." So it's a matter of me telling uh, the world what Oracle does when it comes to communications. Now, unlike, uh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't paint with this broad brush. I'm just going to say you've been in the technology sphere for about as long as I've been alive. So much so that 
at one point uh, you were doing something uh, very different, but pretty cool for the FAA. Can you tell us about that? Oh my, my, a long time ago. Uh, wow, you dug, you dug up my history. Um, <laughs> I was designing radar systems for the FAA. This is something, you know, one of those engineering product, uh, products was just a lot of fun. Um, you know, basically tracking. I, more interesting work I did for the DOD um, was, and it, had, it was related uh, in the Air Force, was to do track planes. Uh, potentially for looking for incoming missiles. So that was far more interesting work. Um, FAA started with radar systems, and then I kind of graduated into the DOD doing um, uh, long-range radar, the radar systems that could see pretty much the whole Atlantic Ocean well into Europe, and we could track and detect incoming missiles. And so it was a pretty interesting uh, work there as well. Very interesting. And... Tracking or or recognizing yeah. incoming dangers is actually a, a really great segue to what we're going to talk about today. Very good. We are going to talk about um, the threat of attacks on organizations coming through uh, the voice channel or originating in the voice channel, and uh, I think we can look at some some pretty high profile incidents cybersecurity incidents, but those cybersecurity incidents, for instance, um, uh, late last year, MGM and, and to a lesser extent, Caesars got attacked. Uh, MGM, I think, eventually said they lost like $100 million over this. I don't think anyone's crying for the casinos losing money. But at the same time, if but you were there... Right. We are not rooting for the hackers. That's absolutely correct. And if you were there, right, staying in one of those properties, all of a sudden you were experiencing a lot of problems as, as a customer of MGM. Maybe you couldn't get into your room. There were issues on the, on the casino floor with other amenities there at the casino. And that attack started through a phone call. That's that's how it started. It actually started with a third party, with Okta, who managed a security, but it's not uncommon. Um, and those social engineering, for those that are not familiar with it, right, that kind of attack is typically called social engineering, where I try to get credentials to something I'm not supposed to have access to so that I can get in and do some damage. That is still a threat today in 2024 as, as far as we've come with the technology, correct? It, that's correct. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think we'll probably see something else, uh, another big attack before the year is through. Um, and, and, and it's kind of a shame. One of the things, you know, yeah, we could feasibly detect these things there is enough information out there it's just a matter of connecting the dots and and uh, and providing the tools and utilities or i would say the uh defense mechanisms or the, the defense armory uh for these organizations uh and i'm glad you kind of narrowed it on on voice and social engineering because i think that's that's one of those key vulnerable areas i think these uh, hackers have um they're tapping into the human nature of, of kindness and um, gentleness to, to get at these private or confidential resources and, and bring systems to their knees, uh, which is qu quite a shame because now all of a sudden your elements of trust go out the window 
we have zero trust that incoming call. And now put, it swings the pendulum the other way. Now they have to be like thoroughly vet the incoming calls. But it, I, it, I think it comes back. It does show that when it comes to security perimeter, we don't have a full protection. And one vulnerable area here was, was voice calls. Very simple yeah. voice calls. Yeah, and you bring up something specific for for contact centers. The agent job is to help people. And I've mm-hmm. actually experienced this when you are um, presented with a customer that you need to authenticate through, uh, let's say, a PIN or a password. And they don't remember what they set up three years ago that they've never had to use, but now they need it. and from an agent perspective, right? You want to help them, but you also have a responsibility to protect their information and you don't know who you're talking to. Um, And so that, that is that tug on the human aspect that presents a problem. But part of the problem is the fact that uh, that, call that might come in from a threat actor, not the actual customer. Not everyone is is recognizing that there are ways to deflect those calls. So let's talk about the industry in general. Like what is the industry doing to protect the network to to be, make it secure? Voice network, uh, in, in my opinion, not very much or not enough. Um, I think we see this with our carriers. You have a carrier, my phone will ring, and they'll say, oh, it's suspected incoming spam. And, hey, that's at least something, you know, <laughs> that, that we see. But as far as I think there's far more they can do. Um, yeah, before I even go further down that answer, I think a lot of this uh, comes culturally speaking in that we came from a world of telecommunications where it's very much closed off and owned by a monopoly. But they were very careful to be, make sure that it protected our privacy, protected um, our, our confidentiality. And now that we would go to voice over IP and, and we enter the wild, wild west of the internet, um, I think it left these vulnerabilities wide open that that we were protected through through an ATT or Ma Bell, you know. So now that these vulnerabilities are there, but I find interesting, you know, we 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 switched over to voice over IP. In fact, almost all networks started doing it around 2005, 2001, 2002. We really started to see it moving into the industry. The, the cost benefits were huge. The whole everything's now voice over IP, and that left it wide open for for your terrorists to come in and, 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 and provide these threats. But the, uh, the funny part is I, I, I look at how they, it's, it's all developed and it's all based on, on the SIP protocol and you have SIP headers and SIP information that you know, arriving on every incoming call is a good deal of information about where that call came from, what was the device, what country, what context. There's a lot of context. And that I think a lot of that information has been ignored. Or it's, you know, I think we, we came from a culture where we just, we just trusted everyone. So why bother looking at that? That's where we can find out. That's where I think the, the pearl is here or the, or the silver bullet fight back to the enemy is at least grab that information and check and do a check, you know, online or check fast to find out what, what is the source? Where, where is it coming? What's going on? What type of message and what type of device? 
And that's where I think we're missing the boat. That's where I think um, these calls are coming through. We could at least provide a warning. Like, like, like we see with, uh, you know, at and does with me saying incoming spam call. Well, we could at least provide a warning to a contact center or to a business like, hey, this one, it looks suspicious. Or, hey, you better, you better do that extra check. You know, we can even give instructions. We could even be so smart to say, hey, this one looks suspicious. Ask them what the last four digits of their social security number is, or ask them what the account number is, and provide that level of, of check. So that's so I see where we kind of missed the boat here, but we did. I, I understand because of the cultures we came from. But this is where one area where um, you know Oracle's taking a deep look at it. Hey, it's data. That SIP header is data. We are great at data. We are great at data processing. Can we go ahead and do a check on that information? before they even answer the call and do it done in mm. time and, 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 and verify it. And then provide any levels of protection that the customer wants, you know? So uh, raise, a, raise a yellow flag or, or block the call or send it to the security office, whatever, you know, uh, give, give them more options. Um, yeah, I want to convince, we could have helped the MGM, you know, that could, we, could, we could have been in there catching these things early on. And so I think this kind of software, this kind of, uh, solution has to be in place. Yeah, I want to dig in a little bit to the the SIP header. So I think most people are familiar, even if they don't know uh, the acronym or the the the, <laughs> the official name of the ANI, the Automatic Number Identification. Right, that's your caller ID, if you will. That's whatever phone you're using. When you can see who's calling. The reason that you can see that is because there's one piece of data called it an automatic number identification that's passed through that you can display on the phone. Um, why is that not good enough? And why do I need to be looking at other things that come through as metadata with that call? The um, metadata, um, well, number one, uh, I, I could be, I, I could manipulate that header and pass all the wrong information, in which case um, now, I, now, now we're at a level of fraud, you know, we have all, all I do is tap your line, grab the SIP header, change it, now I'm the man in the middle and changing it. So just looking at that one A and I may not be sufficient. You may want to look at the source of where it came from, what country or what, how many hops it went through the internet or so forth or what other uh, originating call, the type of call, even the device, a lot of that stuff is buried in the header. What we discovered is um, a lot of that information about that incoming call is is known. Um, like, for instance, uh, we, we, you know right front whether it's a burner phone or not. Uh, mm-hmm. So we can determine that. You take the the number, you take the header, you go in and you can ask uh, various database tips uh, from from the carriers or, or vendors. Hey, is this a is this a predefined uh, burner phone? Or you can find out if it, origina- if it originated from uh, China or from a foreign country, or and then how many, how many hops went through. So I think there's a and that's where we look at. I want to say the metadata that's on the SIP header becomes very important, and it's been overlooked as far as what we can do with it. Uh, so that's one area we've looked at quite dramatically and said, hey, we can do over 2,000 tests up in our cloud on that one piece of metadata to determine if it's at all 
questionable and, and what we can do with it. That, and that's just one area that we can look at. Um, and, and important, I think the other, before we leave that subject, I, I think it's interesting, the, um, I came from the world of SS7, you know, signaling system seven, where you had to have special equipment just to read the header. I mean, moving forward in the world of voice over IP and SIP or session initiation protocol, um, it was determined by the by the IETF to make these things ASCII, so it's all readable. So you'll, you'll need special equipment. That's the amazing part is when I receive a SIP call on my phone here, which almost all Marth carriers are all doing it, voice over IP, I can dissect that header, you know, right here and, and have the information. So it's it's very readable or legible, which is good for me to try to protect myself, but also good for the hacker because it's really easy to go in and manipulate. Um, but that's just one uh, key area around SIP, which I think that's one reason why we do see some hacking going on here. But it's also one area where we can really lock it down and protect ourselves. I mean, if I am a, a contact center, should I expect my my CCAS provider, my my contact center as a service for those people that aren't in the aren't in the business? Right, my my cloud-based telecom provider shouldn't I expect them to be doing that stuff for me or no? Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> but you know, it, it, it's going to be. Uh, I'll, I'll look at you know the, our pricing model. It's going to be upcharged, right? Hey, do you want that? Mm-hmm. Do you want that premium gold platinum protection, or do you want that gold or silver? And and of course, you know, they're more overhead. In a way, we like I said, we can do two thousand checks on it, or we just do a thousand checks. And mm. uh, what's it, you know what's the difference? Well, we hit we hit more database. We have more engineering that goes into it. So I I would like to think so, but I know you know we're not because it's a wide open area right now and so vulnerable. Uh, and to put something in place is pretty costly. Um, that's one you know what's not just to do an individual solution for a on-premise piece of gear would be far too expensive to try to do all the checks. But if you do a common interface or common solution that several different companies could tap into, then it reduces the cost. You know, just the, uh, uh, you know, you have a, a point of diminishing returns where now, hey, I can have that one set of algorithms and I can offer the level of service depending on what they need. Um, yeah, I think the, the answer to your question is maybe we'll get there one day. But I think it's going to be at a, a, a cost. Oh, you want that platinum level protection? Well, by golly, we can provide it. Um, but I think also um, uh, it's not final or static, you know, to kind of follow on to, to your, your question there. It's like, great, I buy that platinum level. Will our hackers get around it? And I think the answer is yes, in that um, uh, the ones who are smart, they're using analytics now or they're going to the dark web or they're grabbing information or and they're even probably going off and using some ai you know so i can let me try to get around this somehow and so i i, I see we have to kind of fight those hackers on our end hey the platinum and now the platinum plus you know perhaps for something like it's nothing denial of service where you have many callers coming in at once i need to do a modeling and add that modeling capability and look for anomaly anomalies in the net, network so it's almost like we keep another big advantage of, of, of cloud-based processes. We keep on adding these processes into the cloud, you know, and do it once for everyone, as opposed to keep on adding, you know, revisions out to the field. 
So this is what, what the strength of the cloud that, that it brings there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I know that's a long about wrong roundabout answer, but I think <laughs> I, I think we're gonna see the ad. Oh yeah, we'll have the gold, silver, platinum, and then platinum plus, and then you keep adding the sponsor. But these things will uh, you get what you pay for. It'll 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 add that added benefit of protection. You brought up AI, and I think 2023 was kind of the the year of AI in the yeah. the public perception. AI has been um, doing all kinds of things for a long time, but certainly the the public is now uh, far more aware of some of the capabilities. Can you talk about how that becomes part of the threat that companies are now going to be guarding against or or should be guarding against? I think the um you know, for now, uh, AI. You know, just like uh, if you you're the use, I I I use it almost like a consultant, like having you in the room. What do you think about this? And get some ideas. Well, here, the hacker can, you know, use the AI or use other means of getting a profile of a company or getting a profile of the employees, and then knowing that profile and and just either the up level their sophistication when it comes to social engineering such that they can even make themselves look like a legitimate business, you know, and come in. In fact, I got hacked this past year. Uh, I, I lost uh, $250, not much, you know, it wasn't as big as MGM, but but uh, <laughs> the fact that they a business came forward, it looked like a legitimate business that I bought into, and, and, and they actually carried on for two years before they walked away with my money. They're actually doing a legitimate business. They're, you know, filing my claims for me through, through the state. And then all of a sudden, the state came back to me after two years and said, hey, you haven't filed a claim this year. And I'm going, wait a second, I've been paying this organization. And then I look it up online. It's like, oh, I've been, I've been hoodwinked. You know, so I see the, the hacker can now start building out a facade of, of legitimacy, you know, with AI. Um, which you, which you normally can't do, it just take too much effort. But if I if I have other things automated, and then I can also get profiles of the company, and then look like, hey, this is a great match for us to partner with and do business with, you know, and and present those kind of facades and things that we normally don't even think of, you know, and 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 the voice recognition and and this, they can go down these paths, and they have a whole bunch more tools at their disposal. You know, um, I always enjoy the Larry Ellison quote that says. Um, Hey, they're going to get smarter, and it's not a matter of fighting back their hacks and uh, with their their computers. It's a matter of our computers fighting their computers, our programs fighting their programs, our AI fighting their AI. You know, so I think as they get smarter, we definitely have to be smarter uh, at the same time. Um, I agree. With you. Hey, twenty twenty three was a year of AI. I think um, twenty twenty four will be the year that hackers start using AI to up their game. So it sounds really scary <laughs> to think that, uh, I mean, when you see some of the things that are out there and, and the way uh, some of these deep fake videos, voice emulation, all of the things that can be done with AI today, and, and as a company thinking about, I need to protect 
our data. I need to protect my customers' data. I mean, what are some of the big things that companies can do today that maybe they're not doing to protect themselves? Um, there's, I, you know, I, I would say a set of principles or a set of rules that you can certainly establish and do it manually. Um, number one, in, inspection. Uh, here, we could potentially, you could inspect every single call coming. And the way it's currently done is, you know, they, it looks like usually the CSP, the, the carrier is doing the inspection for you or the, or the, the um, service provider or the MSP is doing the inspection for you. And then we trust that. But then they, then they take it to the next level of authentication. Um, usually we see this as a manual process. Hey, give me your last four of your social. I'm authenticating. What's your date of birth? Uh, and then analyze it because that's where I think this is where we fall down. We, we can take that phone number. We can take that date of birth. We can take that social and, and you analyze it and make sure it all lines up. And then, of course, the last, last step is enforcement. And so I, I see that, that inspection, that authentication, the analyze, the enforcement. You're, you have to do this no matter what, whether you do it manually or whether you do it automatically. Um, but um, you know, what we're proposing, what we're doing at Oracle is we're able to um, uh, check and provide that level of inspection and authentication and even analyze it and go down to that level of enforcement and do it all automated, you know, turnkey. And then that level of, um, uh, here's where I alluded to it before, but that level of analysis, how deep do you want to go? Do you want to model the whole, your whole network? Well, we can do that too. And start providing analytics or, or AI on the back end. Of it. And even with enforcement, you can, we can then give the command or you can, the customer can say, oh, well, based on what we see coming back from Oracle, I can block the call. I can then reroute it to a to security office or to a recording or to a different agent. You know, so there's things that we can do that aren't being done. And all this, you know, this, this is one area we're looking deep. And the area we're going deep on is that back end up in the cloud. Great. I can take that metadata. We'll chip it up. We'll, we'll ship it up to Oracle. You know, I, I look at it like it's very much, very much like a, a CDR that you get in carrier space. It's a call detail. It's the metadata on the front. Hey, uh, hey Oracle, check out this number. We, we will do that $2,000, $2,000 check against everything in our, our data item, our databases. We have several databases, not our own, our own, but also external, we can do a third party. But then it's that next check above that, can I do, perform a little analytics on that information that I have? You know, um, what's the frequency of the call? How many, uh, how many calls are we getting from that same location? Because maybe it's a telephony denial of service. Or what, you know, what else can we do? And then even go further and then start applying AI to that and, and, and do a little modeling on our own. So that's the cool part of the, of the strength of the cloud. And this is one area where I know we're pushing the envelope. You know, how, how much intelligence can we put at the back end in that cloud? You know, just from receiving that uh, little bit of information on the front end. So we don't see, you know, um, I don't see anyone else doing this in the industry. I think the closest we see coming is, is maybe the, um, the companies like Pindrop that are doing a, a sine wave recognition, very expensive. You know, now I look at the wave and try to analyze that. We know, hey, they're starting to get around that with uh, the, the deep fake, uh, especially around voice. 
but at least at least it's, it's identifying that. And since that's very expensive, we could be the first check, which because we're not as expensive as that. We say, hey, this thing's very suspect. We think maybe you should do like a pin drop, do a um, you know deep packet inspection on that sine wave and try to make you see that it requires further checking. So, uh, yeah, sorry, long windy here. This is an exciting su- subject matter right. for me, but but yeah, you know, to get back, yeah, you know, the industry's not doing enough, and, there, and yet we can be doing more. I'm I'm very pleased on what Oracle's taking the space because you can't do this with, with without a cloud. You need you need to have that mm. that big um, infrastructure in the sky that can then keep adding to these models, keep adding to the analytics, and keep adding and, and do it so the customer doesn't get affected up on the front end. And you, I mean, just we can do these checks up front. So I think it's you know I, I think that's the right model as far as uh, and pass that little bit of information to the cloud and let the cloud do its work. So there are contact centers that are still using on-prem solutions. Am mm-hmm. I am I out of luck if I'm if I'm running on-prem as opposed to uh, a CCAS solution? Um, for for automated process, uh, yeah, you, you only go so far. How much how much equipment do you want to buy and purchase? So again, we're getting back to whether it's a um, licensing model or a subscription model, right? So. Go. How much more licenses? How much hardware? How much software do I need to purchase? Or can I just go to the cloud and say, subscription based? Here's more messaging I want to send you. So it becomes a, I think, a, a more of an economic question of what you can afford or can't afford. Um, but more fundamental to your question is like, well, what's that world look like on the front end? Well, now we have to implement zero trust. You know, it kind of throws me back to nine eleven, right? Where before you could virtually almost walk right onto the plane. Now you almost get have to be tapped down, go through all sorts of sensors. You have to wait an extra hour in line to get through the TSA because there's zero trust. Well, now we're getting to that point too. I'm calling a. I'm calling into my contact center. Oh, let me pat you down. You know, give me account number. Give me your date of birth. Give me your mother's main name. Okay, now they have that information. You know, let me check legitimacy of the call. Again, these are all areas that can be trumped and, and, and fooled on. And so you maybe you have to add another level of protection at the on, on the data side here, you know, as I as I'm starting to go in and, and get that. But I just see that as, as zero trust becomes an effect of of uh all of a sudden it, it, my companies become hard to work with. I call yeah. my fidelity or I call my e trade and now I have to go through I'll jump through all these hoops and do double uh, authentication and do all sorts of things. It's just going to get deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up zero trust because, you know, when you think about customer experience, that's those Mm. two things really butt heads. When I want to accomplish something that should be relatively simple, but I have to jump through a million hoops to get there. That's just frustrating. Right. And while yes i can feel very secure and know that we're protecting everything if i'm using a zero trust policy it doesn't it doesn't make people happy uh because most of us aren't as consumers thinking about the security side we we tend not to think about the worst case scenario we're thinking about the application as it relates to me and what I want to do right now. And so the more that we can implement 
the types of solutions that I as a consumer don't feel any pain from, but are still protecting me, the better we're going to move toward a customer experience that is pleasant and desirable while still protecting information. That is the, that's the trick. I think it's a trick because when you get to zero trust, now we're, do we like going through TSA? <laughs> no, no, we, we don't, you know, we like to travel, you know, right. and here we, we have a contact center. Do I want to get patted down every time I talk to this agent or do I want to have a compelling user experience? I want my customers to come back. You know, I always, I'd like it. You know, there's a few call centers, contact centers. Every time I have a problem, they walk away to give me a coupon or something like, oh, I got a discount. That was a great experience. I want to walk away with my customers feeling that, but knowing that zero trust has been implemented and that knowing I passed the check and that, that the, the, the pat down wasn't as painful. You know? Right, and, right. And I'll point back, hey, we can automate most of that pat down. We can automate this up front. You can take away a lot of that pain. And there's some benefit to that, huge benefit, uh, you know, cost-wise. Because if I'm doing the automatic pat-down, that frees up the agent to take more calls. You know, and if, if we, and also I, I can get, I can look at my own demographics of who's making the calls. I can now start doing other analytics based on that, that automatic pat-down up front, the automatic analysis. And so it goes beyond just, hey, not only are we implementing zero trust, but I can start doing things for my business that makes sense for my contacts. So, yeah, yeah I, I think it's tricky, you know, and, and unless you, uh, I, I, the, the, the people who own the contact centers, the, the, the managers, they had to walk this fine line. Uh, how do I make this compelling yet make it trustworthy for my customers? And, uh, you know, this is, this would, I think it's only going to get worse in 2024 and 2025, you know, as we go down this path, because they, the, the zero trust gets harder to do. And yet we want to make it as compelling as possible. There was a time when I flew a lot that I uh, became a, a, a trusted traveler with TSA. I got to get into a special line. I didn't have to yep. take my laptop out. Uh, I didn't have to take off the belt, right? It was uh, because they trusted me, because they had vetted some things up front. I had a more pleasant experience. Today, I don't travel as much. I don't pay for that. And every time I go to the airport, I, I have to go. I, I wear clothes to hide things on my body, but I got I to gotta get in this scanner and put my hands above my head. And I don't even want to know what they're seeing when they do that full body scan, right? So if if you think of it like that, Right. This is a way that we can identify a trusted call, almost like a trusted traveler. And for the people that we go, well, yeah, we don't necessarily trust you as much. We have a red flag. Then we need to send you through the other line and do some more of those checks, which makes sense. Um, but I think uh, not enough companies and contact centers in particular are thinking about the next generation of threats and how we can leverage our technology to push those threats, keep them at bay 
as much as possible so that the humans can focus on doing the job, uh, which is, right. you know, to help people, to be nice. <laughs> yeah, and I think um, we're, we're, the industry has kind of missed the boat in that, hey, this free information at the beginning of the header could be used for this kind of benefit. That's one area where you say, hey, we don't want to make that. We can, we can take yeah. this to the cloud, you know, and, and, and really, really pull ahead. And we, we really see this as one of the differentiators in, in the product. And, 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 of course, working with the rest of the security industry to make this thing, uh, make it as painless as possible and actually an enjoyable experience for the, for the consumer. So, yeah. Well, Doug, thank you so much for joining me. And if you want to know more about what Oracle's doing, uh, if you want to like geek out about contact center technology and kind of the backbone end of things, uh, feel free to get in touch with Doug. We'll put his contact information in the show notes so that you can get in touch with him. Doug Tate. Thanks so much for being next in queue. Thank you. I really enjoyed it, Rob. Next in queue is brought to you by Happy To and is produced by me, Rob Dwyer. If you enjoy this podcast, please, by all means, subscribe and or rate this podcast in iTunes or your favorite podcast app. But more importantly, please tell just one person about this podcast. Word of mouth is the best way for people to discover new content. As always, thanks for listening.